I'm a grateful alcoholic. My name is George. Uh, before I start, I always like to give my clarification that I don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't have that right or that authority, nor does any other individual have that right or authority. Uh, step nine, uh, you know, we've been going through this journey, and last week I got to speak a lot about the A step and talk about a little bit of nine step stuff because when I came in here, I was at a meeting and I heard something and I ran out and tried to clean up wreckage right away because I thought that's what you're supposed to do as fast as you can. And it, uh, I was told to slow down. Uh, you know, I can talk about Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob came in the 10th of June, and the way he came in is he made uh, went out and got drunk that morning and uh, by Bill. And what ended up happening was when did his surgery uh, after uh, he relapsed there from uh, Mother's Day that May before, and uh, went around to the town and told everybody he was drunk. And he came in on the ninth step. Uh, I believe for myself, this is only my experience. I came in on a second tradition. I saw the hope in the rooms of these people uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous that I didn't think I was capable of that uh, getting. So we each get here in a different way. Some people come in the first half of the first steps. Some people come in the second half of the steps. The uh, first steps. Some people come in <coughs> belief in God. We all get here in different ways. And we all come in in a different place. And we, but we all have to do all 12 steps. And it's better to do them in order, I was told. Although when I was early on, my sponsor had me journaling and writing. So I was doing actual 10-step work before I even did a fourth step, uh, but it was necessary for me to get some stuff out that way. So a good sponsorship is very key in the ninth step. You know, I talked last week about my sponsor and I role-playing uh, for the, the list that I made in my eighth step, you know, and uh, uh, ninth step talks about a bunch of things, and uh, the role-playing, I had a list from about my mom, my sister, uh, my brother-in-law, my ex-wife, and my children, uh, people that were alive, people that were dead, financial measures. And I made a list of the things that I believed I owed amends for. And I went over them with my sponsor. Uh, it's, it's very strange how I walk into the ninth step. I come into the ninth step with that I realized that it was nobody else's fault anymore. I had to look at my own life things and the harms I did to others. You know, the big book talks in two places. Uh, one, it talks about it in page 18 where it talks about an illness, and we've come to believe that an illness affects uh, those, involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. A person has cancer, we're all sorry for him, and no one gets angry or hurt, but not so with the alcoholic illness. For with it goes the annihilation of all things worthwhile in life, engulfs all whose lives touch the suffers. It brings misunderstanding, fierce resentment, financial insecurity, disgusted friends and employers, off lives of blameless children. Sad wives and parents, anyone can increase this list. Now, if this is what I'm bringing to the picture when I'm coming to my ninth step, you know, I'm not bringing a lot of good stuff with me. Uh, you know, a little later on in the big book, it talks about the tornado, where the tornado, the alcoholics of tornado, roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections have been uprooted, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up from the cyclone cellar to find his home room to his wife to remark, don't see anything the matter here, mom. Ain't it grand, the wind stopped blowing. Uh, I can tell you lots of stories when I say ain't it grand, the wind stopped blowing. Uh, not drinking is not enough for me anymore. It's not about drinking, it's not about my inappropriate, it's about my inappropriate behaviors. Now I'm walking in here as a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, I'm driven by fear, 
self-delusion and self-seeking. And I created all this havoc to everybody in my life that meant something to me. You know, and I always joke about how I saw the first step. If people only behave the way I want, my life would be very manageable. It's amazing when people behave exactly the way I wanted them to, I decided they should behave another way. So I wasn't even happy with that. So I had to find out that I, my, my defect in all my relationships in step eight, effective relationships with others, has always been my problem. My defective relationship comes down to one thing. It's me. It has nothing to do with what anybody else does. It has everything to do with what I do. So walking into step nine, what am I walking in there? I'm walking in, I'm harmful, I've damaged people, I'm full of defects, I'm still blaming, I'm still justified in all my behavior, it's all their fault. I'm dis uh, I'm discontent, uh, I have a lot, I'm arguing, I feel humiliated because I know I'm going to speak to these people and I know they're going to tell me exactly what's going on. I was evading, I like my favorite word is wallowing, it's another nice way of saying I'm full of self-pity. Uh, I had remorse, I felt I burdened because I knew I was going to talk to these people and I knew I was going to have to pay some bills back so I wasn't happy about that. Uh, I was reckless, I felt indifferent, I was full of these dilemmas, you know. If I do this, what about that? You know, one of the things I said, well how long am I ever not going to drink for my sponsor? My daughter's going to get married. She said, your daughter's three years old, what are you worried about getting married? I mean, that's the way I thought for a long time. He said, and you know what? Your daughter would probably like you a lot better if you weren't drinking, uh, which is probably very true. I was full of fear. I was uh, delayed. The ninth step was all about delay for me because I didn't want to go and face the people that I knew I screwed over because I don't like, I don't know about you guys, it's not I'm sorry. I don't like telling somebody I was wrong because when I tell somebody I was wrong, I have to do something about it. The word amends to make something whole. I have to make something whole that isn't whole anymore. I have to repair a damage I created. Um, uh, it tells us that good judgment, a careful sense of timing, and prudence, these are the qualities we need when we take step nine. After we made a list of the people we can harm, which is in our fourth step and our eighth step, reflect carefully upon each instance and try to possess ourselves with the right attitude in which to proceed, we shall see that making direct amends divides those how should we approach into several classes? Uh, and there is a bunch of classes. You know, the prayer, the way I get myself ready is the prayer that is in the um, big book on page 79. It says, we ask God for the strength. We say, we would do anything to go for a spiritual experience. We ask God, God for the strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. I don't know about you. If I can avoid consequences, I like that. I know, you know, I'd rather not have consequences. So I kind of changed that word to, to me for my prayer in the eighth and ninth step is that I ask God to give me the strength and courage to do the right thing, no matter what happens, uh, just that I can show up. There are those that we deal with as soon as we become reasonably confident that we can maintain our sobriety. I was told that was my family. Uh, part of my family heard my amends, part of my family didn't. Uh, my mother, no problem. It took me, uh, I was nine months on my ninth step. That's how it worked for me. Um, uh, and I was, uh, did my mother, I did my sister, and I did my father. I also had to make amends, and I love God's stories, and this is one of these uh, meetings that I'm going to be talking about, a lot about God's stories, because there's a lot of them in my ninth step. So there's, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, there are those whom we can make only partial restitution, least complete disclosure, 
do them more harm than good. I've got to be careful of that. And there are others by which, by their very nature, the situation which I'll never be able to make a direct personal contact at all. I want to tell a God story about someone I couldn't make a pers direct personal contact. Uh, there's uh, two people in my life, my sister who died while I was in active alcoholism, and my father who, when I was, when he was alive, I was stealing his medication when he was dying. And uh, I had to go make amends to them. And it was a rainy Saturday afternoon. You remember it like yesterday. I lived in the fractional house around the corner here. And one of the guys that worked there said to me, he was going to drive me down there. I was going to go down to the cemetery, which I was at yesterday, uh, and uh, then go to visit my mom at the time, who was still alive. And what I ended up doing is I asked him to come with me. And it was pouring. He says, well, can we do this another day? I said, no, my sponsor told me to do this today. So if he told me to do it today, we're going today. I had two nine-month medallions with me, two nine-month chips. And uh, we drove all the way down to uh, Davie, right where I had to go, and uh, got to the cemetery, and it was pouring. And as we turned into the cemetery, it stopped raining. And as we turned a block towards the, where the grave was, the sun started, the clouds parted away, and the sun, the sun started shining. I got out of the car, and I sat down on, at the cemetery, and I was asked to write a letter, which I did, to my sister and my father at the time. And uh, I wrote those letters, and my dad's now gone 24 years, and my uh, sister has gone 89, uh, 20 years. So, uh, so you know, uh, it was a real tough thing for me to do, because I didn't want to get a lot of damage, and how is this going to be okay? I just didn't know how it was going to be okay, but I did what my sponsor told me to do, so I wrote these letters. And I had a whole bunch of balloons in the car that were filled with helium. And I was asked to take these letters and tie them onto the balloon and send them to God and let God deliver them. And I did that. I let them go. And then I was told to say a little prayer and put my medallions. I buried a medallion at the footstone of my sister and the footstone of my father. And that's where those medallions are to this day, as far as I know. And I let the balloons go. And I got in the car and uh, I was pretty shook up. I was white as a ghost. It must have been an hour. And it was beautiful, you know, and the sun was shining. And right on the cemetery, and I got in the car, and David said, my friend David said, how, how do you feel? I said, I don't know, I did what I was told to do, and uh, we got in the car, and we started to pull out of the cemetery, all of a sudden the sun went away, the clouds came back out, as we pulled out of the cemetery, it started raining again. Now, call it coincidence, call it a situation, I can say that it was God's hand all over that, and I knew things were going to be okay after that, I knew I was forgiven, I didn't know how I was forgiven, but I knew I was forgiven. Uh, that was someone I could never see again. You know? And I still speak to my sister on a daily basis, and I still speak to my dad. Uh, a direct amends to my mom. While she was still alive, I came into the program. The first couple of years that she was here, uh, she was in and out of hospital. She was very ill with cancer. She was dying with cancer, and I was going back and forth, being as good a son as I could. My sister, for the first two years of my recovery, even though I made my amends process, we just didn't get along. And uh, my mother asked me to come live with her and my si in my sister's house. And, uh, I had to make a decision, and uh, the healing started with my sister and I. I was with my mom for the next three and a half years, uh, actually for the first five years of my recovery, uh, until she went home. And, uh, I was able to be there for her, because my sponsor at the time says, you go be of service to your family, <coughs> because that's your job, to be a good son, the son you weren't for a long time. And at the very end, when my mom was dying, the hospice nurses couldn't give her a liquid morphine. I was asked to do that. Now, you can't ask someone like me to do something like that. And, uh, 
making amends to my father. I didn't steal any of my mother's. I gave uh, as directed. And that was a very big thing for me. I didn't do that at all. I didn't have a desire to go out and get loaded or get drunk or anything else. That was a gift from God. And I was able to be there for my mom. Uh, that journey took me to my sponsor, who had emphysema right after that, who, uh, who was uh, Christmas before uh, he passed. I was sober. I must have been 1994, I guess it was. Uh, 93, 94. I came in in 94. It had to be 90, uh, 96 and 97. Um, I was doing a big book study over at the uh, Bottom Line Group, and uh, Bob was sick that Christmas, and I went over there, uh, it was Thanksgiving, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I had one of my sponsees with me, and we went over there, and he was very upset about somebody, and I will tell you that uh, there was a guy named Archie, a black gentleman who was at his central house, he was long gone, he was in a wheelchair, he was my sponsor's best friend, and he was real angry at him. I said to him, you know, Bob, you know, my sponsor taught me something when I first got here, that when I'm upset with somebody, I should pick up the phone and talk to them, part of the immense process, something I didn't do when I was in my active alcoholism. Uh, what ended up happening uh, was he picked up the phone, first he yelled at me and told me to leave the house, and then he called me back in, and uh, he picked up the phone, and a bunch of us went to dinner, and uh, there was five people at that table, uh, Eddie Dalton, Helen Hart, Myself, Bob, and there was, uh, I think Randy was there. But there was a total of 100 plus years of recovery. We all had pizza. That was a Thursday night. The following Wednesday, Bob went home. And uh, that Thursday, I was supposed to do this big book thing, and I didn't want to go do it. And, you know, uh, my friend Linda said to me, what would Bob want you to do? And she would want me to do the meeting. I said, but I don't want to do it. Bob just died. And so she said, well, let's go to dinner and we'll do the meeting. And I really didn't want to do it. She said, well, part of your men's process is the things Bob told you to show up for life is something you didn't do for a long time for your children and whatnot. So I said, okay, let's go to dinner. And I stopped at St. Ambrose and I lit a candle. And as I was lighting a candle, when I got up, I had a big smile on my face. And I said, Bob's going to be okay. And she said, what do you mean Bob's going to be okay? I said, I know. He just, I don't know where this comes from, but he just met my father and my mom and my sister. And he's okay. And uh, I got up from that and went into the, to the uh, old bottom line. And the door opened up in the middle of the meeting. And a cool breeze came in. And I knew Bob walked in the door and asked me to explain those kind of things. But I knew his presence was there. I felt that presence. And I felt people who had gone home, I felt their presence in my life uh, right here. It's just very hard to explain those things. So, you know, those are some of the amends that I've never made. But it's by what I've done that I kept moving forward that God reveals it over and over again. And I'm going to talk about my children in a few minutes, because those are the hardest amends I've had to make. Uh, when I came into the rooms, I shared about me babysitting for the women in the rooms who have children. Uh, my sponsor suggested that I babysit. And the reason that he suggested I babysit is so that woman can make a meeting. And I can always find another meeting. And I would say to Bob after a while, I said, Bob, you know, I'm tired of this uh, babysitting thing. He says, well, you're doing it for two reasons. He says, one, it may be the only meeting we can go to. And I said, and what's the other one? He says, so you can practice being the father you never were. Now, that's a pretty painful statement, but it's very true. I wasn't around for my children. So it was the women of Alcohol Anonymous that started teaching me to be a parent. And that was one of the gifts. And I wrote many letters to my children that I sent to myself and put in a box. 
my guidelines set aside for them, and I'll explain that in a little while uh, when I talk about a very set of specific amends. Uh, then there's the, uh, the direct amends, and that's the kind we've been talking about, like my mom or my sponsor, to make up for not being around for my father. You know, I did these things directly and indirectly for the people in my life. My sister was direct amends. Uh, and those are the, those are the, uh, uh, is how do we approach them? We go to the, them in a hopeful and giving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret under no conditions we can criticize or uh, do we argue with such a person. My sister's my example. I love to talk about that. I went to my sister and did my ninth step with her and she says, I made my amends. I said, she said, let me get what you're telling me straight. Let me see if I understand you. And I said, okay, what are you asking me? And she says, you're mad at me because I behaved in a manner you didn't like and you never told me about that matter. Is that correct? I said, yes. She said, you're nuts. And I said, yes. Uh, I didn't argue with her. And I was nuts because I didn't have steps in my life. But I asked for her forgiveness. And it was given to me. Uh, you know, those are direct amends to family members that I didn't get along with. I love my sister. I spent the day there yesterday, uh, which was pretty hard for me. Uh, we are there to sweep walk our side of the street, not theirs. I cannot tell her what she's done to me. Can I tell my mother what she did to me or anybody else? When I go to make an amends, I'm there to clean up my mess, not theirs. And uh, some of them come out good, some of them don't come out so good. That's just the way they are. Realizing that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so, neither will we. Uh, we need, we're never telling them what they should do. I have not once in any minute told somebody what they should do. I've told people I owe them things, emotional mentally, financial, and spiritual, because all that's what harm is. And uh, how do I make this relationship right? Some people said the best way to make it right is get out of my life. And I've gotten out of people's lives over that. Uh, there's the equal restitution of men, which is financial. We all understand what that is, I hope. Uh, we don't dodge our creditors. You know, I know I'm not afraid to answer my phone when it rings. I don't care if I owe somebody money or not. I uh, came in here, I had a lot of health problems. Um, one bill was 130 grand when I had the, the hand problem and uh, went to my doctor, told them where I was at. They said, don't worry about it. Call up the company. Let's see what we can work out. And they worked out a wonderful deal. Out of that $130,000, I think I paid about 5000 The rest was forgiven because I did the right thing. It's about me going to these people when I owe something and say, I owe it. I'm not in a position to pay it. This is what I can do. It's about being responsible, accountable, and that's really hard if you're like me and you owed a lot of money. Like I said, when I walked in here, I owed over $500,000. Today, I owe about $40,000. God has been good to me. Uh, it says, uh, we, I, there's a, a line in the ninth step which is very important to me. It says, we cannot buy our own peace of mind at the expense of others. I cannot go to somebody so I can feel good because it might be hurting them. It says we make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. I've injured enough people that I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, when my, well, we'll get to my children in a minute. When my daughter came to me uh, a little over a year ago, there's many a time on that phone that I would like to tell her what I felt about her mother. Uh, because I didn't, and I practiced something in the 10th step we'll talk about next week, that restraint. Uh, and I gave her all the letters that I had written for her, and she brought them home when she left 
after not speaking to me for 14 years, my daughter, uh, she uh, showed him to her mother, and her mother called me, and we have a working relationship today. I am so glad I didn't put my foot, insert the foot in the mouth of uh, an uh, illness that I have a bad problem with, and speaking too soon, and practice that restraint. Uh, so, you know, it, it, I cannot save my own skin so I look good and pull somebody else down. And another step talks about that. Uh, we call that gossiping. I have to only stick to my own, my own stuff, and it's hard. It's hard because sometimes some harms were done to me, and I really want to let people know that I was harmed as well. Uh, but it's not what I'm there for. It's not look at what has happened to me. It's look at what I've done to you. And that's a big turnaround for someone like me. Uh, it does not lighten our burden when we recklessly make the crosses of others heavier. It's not going to make it easier if I give my daughter the burden of now not trusting me and not trusting her mother. Uh, me, she was upset with me. We have to get to that a feeling on our own. I don't have to make give her another burden because I don't not living there. I'm not involved in that, and it's none of my business to stir the pot 1,500 miles away and make things worse. And I'm going to tell you why I'm giving you all these examples with the children and the wife because I will read what was going on with them in a minute. Uh, it says. We lay the matter before our spiritual uh, advisor or sponsor, earnestly asking God's help and guidance, meanwhile resolving to do the right thing when it becomes clear, of course, what it may. Uh, above all, we try to be absolutely sure that we are not delaying because we're afraid for the readiness to take full consequences of our past acts and the responsibility for the well-being of others at the same time as the spirit of step nine. Now, my children, when I wrote my ninth step and my ex-wife, and because the reason I'm speaking about that is I'm going to read something. I don't know which one of the two I'm going to read yet. Uh, but my ex-wife, I was uh, my my outline that I shared with my sponsor for not uh, meeting my obligation to my children because of the pain and resentment I had for my ex-wife uh, due to our marriage breaking up and the pain I still have over the uh, love I still carry. Yet I know uh, I don't know. Uh, that whether we belong together or not at the time. And that was really tough on me at nine months because I really loved my wife. My children for not being there for them, making them uh, promises and never keeping them, and for leaving uh, my daughter and not letting her know it when I finally decided I was, you know, at a, uh, I'm going to lose touch with my children because of uh, the pain I was carrying. There's a letter that I wrote about that. And the same thing for my son. Uh, uh, and measuring up to him emotionally by letting him know how much I did uh, hurt him and how much uh, I didn't care about him. And I never was able to tell him that because I was too busy getting drunk. Now, you know, I got to uh, my ninth step in 94, in November of 94, and my sponsor had me write a letter to my children telling them how I was, um, you know. And uh, it was a long time since I had spoke to either of them. It was uh, 94, I was here. Uh, I hadn't spoken to them since 1986, so it was a while. Uh, my daughter was born in 86. She was six months when I left her. And then uh, I left a meeting at six months of sobriety and was serving papers to give up my children. And I fought with that, and I came into these rooms, and uh, Ben T. asked me a question when I was doing my, uh, when this was all about, he asked me what kind of custodian I was to those children. And I started telling him all the things I did for my children. And he said, I didn't ask you what you bought them. 
Uh, and he asked me why I'm not a custodian. You, uh, then he said to me, well, you know, uh, what kind of, uh, I, I told him all the things I did. He says, I didn't ask you what you gave him. I asked you what kind of custodian you went to that. And I woke up in AA in about six months of uh, sobriety, finding out I was an absentee parent. The one thing I didn't want to do is be like my father, emotionally not available. And that's exactly what I became, emotionally not available. And uh, that was very painful for me. So I sat from 94, when my 93, when I got the papers, to 94, and in 95, I legally signed my children over. And I don't regret it. I mean, I would probably do it differently today because hindsight is always great to have because things change and we look at things with a different clarity. But in March of 1995, the day I signed the papers, and there was a decision I had to make, I wrote this letter, and I'm going to share it with you guys. Uh, it's to my children. It's to Robin and Cassidy. I asked Mom if I could talk with you about what I'm writing you. She did not think it was a good idea. She stated that the two of you had no knowledge of what's about to take place. I am respecting her wishes. There are so many thoughts I have in my mind, in my heart at this moment, and so much pain that I've caused you both over the years. Mom may give this to you someday. I'm keeping a copy of, with other letters and cards that belong to you. If you ever choose to see them, they are sealed for you to open. You are aware by this time that your dad is a sick person. That is not an excuse for my behavior. It's just a fact. Your mom has been asking me for the last year to relinquish my legal rights to you so that Brian can become your legal father. This is the toughest decision I will ever have to make. I prayed about it for a long time. I've spoken to other people who are in the same situation or similar situation. There are as many answers as there are people. The decision is mine and mine alone. I arrived at it by lots of prayer, meditation, and thought. First, I want you to know this decision is being done out of love. You see, Robin and Cassie, you were born to Eva and me at a time where there was much love between us. That love vanished, and there was a lot of fighting, anger, and resentment between Mom and me. These feelings had nothing to do with either of you, because we both love you very much and always will. As I stated in other letters to you prior to this one, it is, was me who was doing wrong, not you. I was not able to deal with the two of you due to my drinking, drugging, and my ill feelings towards your mom. This is not a re the reason I write you. This, too, is just another fact. The reason I write this is because I am your father and I always will be your father. No man or court can take that away from me. God has entrusted me to your, take care of you and I didn't do a good job of it. I caused you pain. I caused pain to all. At this time, your mom and Brian are happy, and I really want that for your mom. Your mom is a good mom and deserves the very best uh, from life, as do both of you. Robert, Cassie, I love you to the point that I am going to sign these papers to give you up legally. I am not abandoning you. You see, you need a stable figure who can show you the love and caring that I am not capable at this time to give you. Not only is it impossible emotionally, it is impossible financially at this time. I know Brian has been good to the both of you, and your mom is happy with him. You see, I have caused enough havoc in all your lives that I don't want to do this, but it's the best for all concerned. Robin and Cassie, I will always love you and be there for you should you either of you want or need me. I will never stop loving you no matter what. It is a... It is a love that will never die. Just remember, I do this out of love, not want. I do this out of love, not abandonment. I do this out of love to you, Robert. I do this out of love to you, Cassie. 
I do this out of the love your mother and I once had. I do this out of the love that I have for your mom still and have for you. And I do this knowing that love Brian has for you as well. God made your father, and I pray that I do, I will, I do, will, I do, will not hurt uh, you later on. The pain I felt and I am feeling now. I don't want to do this. I love you both very much. I signed the papers and I signed this letter. Uh, this letter sat in a closet with bunches and bunches of papers until January of 19, uh, January of last year, 2008. And I got a phone call from my daughter on my anniversary. It was her birthday. It was around my anniversary. January 14th is her birthday. January 19th is my anniversary. And my daughter called me. She wanted to meet her dad know what was really going on. We've been in contact uh, ever since. And, uh, you know, we talk about the promises coming true. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They always materialize. Some people say it's halfway through your ninth step. Well, I was more than halfway through my ninth step. They didn't materialize. Uh, some of them came to me much quicker on. Some of them came to me in my first step. Uh, I just believe they materialize when we work for them. I don't know halfway through why. That's right through my life. I don't know. I just know they do show up, uh, as long as I keep doing the right thing. One of the things that I did, one of the direct amends I believe in to my children is not picking up that first drink. Uh, because if I do, I believe all bets of ever speaking or seeing my children would be taken away from me. I will tell you now that my uh, son, to date, does not talk to me, and he's in this program. And my da daughter does on and off. Uh, yesterday was Father's Day. I did not get a phone call from my children, but I did from my ex-wife. So God's plan is not always George's plan. I was a little disappointed that my daughter didn't call. I'm sure that the phone is going to ring. I will call her later on in the week and speak to her. Uh, she was out of town. It could be a million and one things. I'm not going to try and figure it out. I just know that God is going to do for me what I can't do for myself. And I do know that. All I do know is that their relationship has started. And a year of his relationship after not having one for 20 doesn't happen because I want it. It'll happen because God lets it. Uh, you know, what I got out of my ninth step was the timing and the amends and the prudence and the courage and good judgment, reflection, confidence, maintenance, which is maintaining my ability, my attitude, better sobriety because of it, because uh, it made me a, a much more unshakable foundation to doing the right thing. I believed in disclosure and the action and the caution. I believed in the process that it takes, the amends, the revealing, patience, the discretion, the tremendous amount of peace of mind I've gotten through the next step. Tremendous amount of peace of mind the next step has given me. Uh, willingness to keep going forward. Responsibility. Tremendous freedom. Discretion. Balance. Financial responsibility to some degree, I will say. There's a lot of work in that area still. I learned about that quiet time. Well-being. I learned about honesty. More tact. A lot of forgiveness. Learning a lot more about humility in the next step. Uh, helpfulness, common sense, kindness, being sensible. If you know me, that's a big one. Uh, I learned about being steady, purposeful. I learned about rest and relief, changing, frankness, awareness, being forthright, concern for others, generosity. I learned a lot about a lot of principles in the next step. Most important principle is it's not 
what I can get out of something anymore. It's what I can bring to it. And the best thing I can bring to it is my whole self. Uh, I learned about guidance and prayer and readiness to meet these situations. I learned a lot about meditation and God consciousness. Uh, one of the things that I will tell you, I said last week about leaving room in the bottom of your list. Uh, I'm going to end with this one. I was working at Denny's when I was newly sober. And uh, there was a guy that came to visit his father and came into Denny's when I was working there. And there was a guy, I took a radio, a loud punk radio out of a Saab in 1985 or 86. And it wasn't on my ninth step list. And I saw it. And after I've been making all these amends that I've made along the way, I said, oh, hell, what do I do? So I said, I need to talk to you. And I went in the back, I prayed, I called my sponsor. He says, why don't you invite him over to your house and uh, clean up the wreckage. I wasn't in a position to pay for that radio, but I did bring him over to the house that I was living. It was in a uh, fractional house. It was a sober living environment with people with more than a year. And uh, we sat in the backyard in the pond. <coughs> and I told him the story about the lie I told him, and he knew it all along. He says, listen, George, uh, I know that you stole that radio. I'm not interested in the radio. What I'm interested in is that you stay sober and you help someone else. You pass that forward. The ninth step is all about passing it forward. What was so freely given me by those people that loved me showed me how I can pass it forward from all the pain I created for others that I don't have to do today. I am so grateful for the good sponsorship and the good people that have guided me through my steps, especially step nine. And a loving God that has caressed me when I was in a lot of pain, uh, not ever thinking that I have to speak to my children again and restoring that to the degree he has. I do know there's plenty of work that is going to come out of step nine uh, in God's time, not in George's time. Thank you for letting me share on step nine.